Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 51. And today I'm going to be talking about Christmas. Last week's episode was called Lacking Inspiration. And I mentioned that I was in a low period and I'd run out of ideas for my podcast. I said I hope to be back with a fabulous episode next week. I was thinking about this. How can I guarantee that I'm going to have a fabulous episode? I thought I'd have the most chance of success if I choose a fabulous topic. And Christmas is fabulous, isn't it? It's a topic everybody is interested in, especially this time of year. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Fabulous Christmas. Now maybe you think it's a little early to be talking about Christmas, but the shops are full of Christmas decorations and Christmas trees and Christmas presents at the moment. They've been that way for a few weeks here near where we live. And so I don't think that I'm being a little bit too early. I think it's time now to prepare for Christmas. Start buying some of our gifts and thinking about Advent because Advent is only two weeks away. I'd really like to do all my Christmas shopping before Advent begins, and I say this every year. I'm sure I said it in last year's podcast about this time, and every year I fail. But I've already got a few things bought. I'm not doing too badly. So today I want to talk about a few gift ideas, things that we can make and which are relatively cheap, other ideas that we could buy for our children and other people, things that won't take up much space, things I think that will be appreciated. I'd also like to talk about Advent traditions, how our family is preparing for Advent and what activities we're going to be doing during Advent leading up to Christmas Day. So I'm hoping that all that does sound fabulous and that you will listen to this episode of my podcast. Before I begin, I want to thank everybody that stopped off at my Facebook page and my blog over the last week with kind messages for my son's birthday, Thomas, who died 16 years ago. He only lived for a day, and I was telling you about this in the last episode of this podcast. I guess that's why I was feeling a bit low last week, why I was lacking in inspiration. I had my mind busy with other things. Yeah, every year about this time, as we're celebrating Thomas's birthday and remembering his death day, which was a day later, my mind is consumed with thoughts of Thomas, and I guess I don't have much energy left over for anything else. So I've been feeling just a little bit low this week, but all the kind messages didn't help me enormously. They really lifted my spirit, so thank you. Just briefly, we went out to the cemetery a day before Thomas's birthday, actually, because my husband Andy was home on the Sunday, but Thomas's birthday fell on a Monday, and he wouldn't have been able to come out to the cemetery with us on the actual day. So we went out there, took some fresh flowers, and a special morning tea to have in the cemetery. I know a lot of people might think it's rather strange picnicking in the cemetery, but it feels like our place. 
Ah,、uh, we feel that we've earned the right to spend time there. It feels a very peaceful place to us, and every year that's what we do. We take a picnic out there. We tidy up Thomas's grave, arrange flowers, and take our annual birthday photos. Whoever has been able to come out with us, I arrange the kids and Andy behind the grave, and I take my photos. Once I've got my memories for the year. Yeah, we get out the picnic and enjoy half an hour or so, just sitting around under the trees in the quiet of the cemetery. So that's how we celebrated Thomas's birthday a day early. On his actual birthday, we had a birthday cake, but it was a pretty low-key day. I bought a teddy bear for Thomas, as I normally do. I have a huge collection of teddy bears now because we buy one for each birthday and also one at Christmas for him, and I make a sort of a, a memorial arrangement on a little table in our living room. The bear, a candle, some flowers, Thomas's photo. We set it all up where we can see it in memory of Thomas, and I think we really enjoy doing this tradition every year. Of course, I take photos. And we name the bear after a saint. So this year, Thomas's bear is called Michael. There are just a few little details about Thomas's birthday. A few sharing, a few little traditions that we do. Coming out of my quiet week, I spent quite a lot of time thinking, and one of the ideas that came out of last week was that I might start a new podcast, a grief podcast. I have written a lot of stories about Thomas. More than a hundred of them. Most of them are published on my Out of My Catholic Mind blog. I also have them on another blog called Stories of Grief, Love, and Hope. But I don't think a lot of people visit that blog. I don't publicise it. People might arrive there by doing a Google search, but that's the only reason that they would know about it. And I thought that I might take these stories one by one, and each week in a podcast. I would introduce the story, say something about how I came to write it, some details about the story, and then I would read out the story. And this might be another way that I can reach other bereaved parents who are feeling a little bit alone out there, like I did when I lost Thomas. I really wanted to connect with other people. Sixteen years ago, we didn't have the internet and all the resources that we have today, so it's much easier today. I'm hoping that Thomas's stories, in a podcast form, will be able to help other parents through the lonely, very painful experience of losing a baby. Already, the blog posts that I've written, the stories that I've written about Thomas, have connected me in with a lot of mothers in similar situations, and I feel they have done an awful lot of good. That Thomas, my baby, who only lived. For a day, has touched so many hearts. Something that I never could have imagined happening. I thought that when he died, we would be the only people who would ever remember him, because there was only a handful of people that actually saw him, and a lot of people afterwards didn't want to talk about him. They wanted to avoid his name. I guess they thought that if they mentioned him, it would be upsetting us. But of course, every bereaved parent knows. That it is wonderful when someone does mention our children who have died, and who are people who are not afraid to talk about them. It is a real pleasure to talk about our children. 
So that's one of my projects that I want to do. I just thought I'd mention that before we get on to Christmas. Very different, I think, the topic of grief and Christmas. But there is a connection there. People at this time of the year who are grieving probably are not looking forward to Christmas. I can remember that myself. The last thing I wanted to do was celebrate Christmas with my family. I just couldn't see any joy in the season. I thought of it as a burden, as a hard time to get through. I wrote a blog post about that. Maybe that's one of the ones I, re I can record early. My thoughts on grief and Christmas. We actually had all our Christmas cards mixed up with sympathy cards because they were all both coming in the post at the same time. And to me, that seemed rather wrong. But anyway, enough of the grief today. I just want to say thank you. That's all why I mentioned that. All the wonderful people who support me every year. And now we're getting on to something a little bit lighter. And I hope a lot of fun. Now where shall I start with my Christmas ideas? Things I want to share with you. Well, first of all, I have to admit that I'm not a crafty mum. I'm not one of those people who make fabulous creations and who likes to share all their wonderful ideas because they don't really have any. I sometimes look over the internet and I'm inspired by other people's ideas and I think, oh wow, I'd like to make that or the girls would enjoy making this. But we don't actually get around to doing a lot. I do so. I do do a few crafts with the girls. But we're not making something every day. And as far as Christmas goes, we're not going to be celebrating every single feast day with every single wonderful idea that we can find on the internet. We're going to do a limited amount of activities. A few activities that won't stress us out and they'll probably be exactly the same things that we did last year. Because we find comfort in doing the same things year in and year out. I sometimes we do add in a new idea. We're not not open to new ideas, but we rather like our old ones. But also, if an old one stops being fun, I don't think there's anything wrong with letting go of it completely because traditions are supposed to be just that fun. So if nobody's enjoying it anymore, well, that's the end of the tradition. But I think it's important to have traditions because they give a flavor to a family. They bind us all together, strengthening our family bonds. Our family does things one way. Your family will do things another way. But when our children leave home, I'm sure that when they come back to the family, they're going to enjoy being back in the family fold and doing things the old way, even though they might adapt new traditions of their own. And that's what my son Callum said to me the other day. He got married, oh, maybe two months ago now. We went to lunch for the first time with him and his wife, Casey, uh, maybe two weeks ago. And we were talking about Christmas and he said, well, Casey and I have already decided, Mum, we're coming to you on Christmas Day because you make the best Christmas food and I just love what we have every single year and we want to come back for that. So yes, menu can also be traditional, not necessarily the same turkey every year, but traditional to a family. But on to my first ideas. I've got a few ideas for making things. 
cheap things, things that I think are impressive and will be well received but cost hardly any money. I want to start with a gift that I received, I think, two years ago, and it cost nothing to make. One of my girls gave it to me, and it's a vase. We made a few of these during Advent, and I didn't know that one of the girls was making one for me. And all it needs is a two-litre milk carton. We collected up a number of two-litre milk cartons over a week or so before we did this project together. All you need besides the carton is some wallpaper paste and some scrap paper, and maybe some pretty paper to finish it off. All you do is make up the wallpaper paste, tear up bits of scrap paper, and then layer the paper onto the carton, building up the layers, letting it dry in between, and the very final layer is the special paper. Now the one I've got has music paper on the outside because we have a lot of photocopied music. I have a lovely vase with treble clefs and notes on it. It looks good and Gemma Rose usually fills it for me. She goes out to the garden and she cuts off pieces of greenery, a few flowers, whatever we have in the garden and displays them in my milk carton vase. I think it looks great. And I've written a blog post about this. I don't know if it was two years old, maybe three years ago. But it's on one of my blogs, and I'll put a link if you didn't get all those details. But I'm sure that any mother or any person, well, probably women, would like a milk carton vase. My second idea is paper dolls. The internet is full of paper dolls that you can print off. I went looking one year for some very cute paper dolls for little girls, I printed them off in colour, I put the sheets inside a folder, and that made a lovely present too. The girls enjoyed cutting those out and playing with them. I don't know if you've been over to my blog, in the sidebar I have some paper dolls that my daughter Charlotte designed. They're on a file, and for a little bit of money you could buy her file of paper dolls. They're really rather cute. They go with my book, The Angels of Abbey Creek. They're the characters from the book. So if you have the book, or how about buying the book for a Christmas present, I'm sure that would make a good Christmas present for either a girl or a boy aged maybe 5 to 10, maybe 12 even. Maybe the book and the paper dolls would make a perfect double gift. Also, I think Charlotte would be very thrilled if you did buy a copy of her paper dolls. Now, about six years ago, maybe seven years ago, my husband, Andy, was a student. He went back to university to study for his Masters of Teaching. Yeah, he had a big change, went back to uni, and, of course, our income shut down. He was no longer earning a good wage, and we were surviving on a student's allowance that he was eligible for. So that year I had to be really clever about the Christmas presents and I made a lot of them. And this is one of the things I made. For the girls, I found some pictures which I scanned, some pictures in books, and I scanned them onto my computer and then I printed them off and then I found some cheap but uh, pretty frames for them and framed them. The pictures I chose were of fairies. These are beautiful 
fairy drawings and my girls were absolutely thrilled with them. I chose fairies in particular colours. I think for the younger girls, I chose the fairies that were dressed in purple shades because their room is purple. And for the older girls, I chose pink ones. Now they're still hanging on the girls' walls all these years later. I've done a similar thing with religious pictures. I found nativity pictures that have been painted by famous painters, found the files full resolution online, and then I have printed them off either as A4 pictures that I can frame or as a sheet of smaller pictures which I have then laminated as bookmarks. This is an idea for Christmas cards instead of sending a Christmas card or even sending a Christmas card with a little gift inside the envelope you could make some of these pictures you could even write a message on the back of the printed picture and then laminate it and then pop it inside an envelope with a card and the person who receives it can use it as a bookmark so it's not just something that lasts over the Christmas season it lasts or a year. I did this one year and those bookmarks were very successful. People really liked receiving them. Another idea for adding a little gift to an envelope with a Christmas card is a poem. If you don't write poetry, and I don't write poetry, it's very easy to find some Christmas poetry online. We can print them out in a nice font on pretty paper and then include the poem inside a card. One year I made bags for all my girls out of fabric. I got a very simple pattern and made them bags that go over their shoulders, just very simple ones, and I decorated the bottoms of them with a fringe of hanging beads. And my girls are still using those bags to carry around their music books. I must find some photos of them. They don't look quite as nice as they used to because they're a little bit faded, but you'll still get the idea. And that present again was one that was welcomed. And we have a lot of people we want to buy a very tiny gift for. People like music teachers or choir members. People that we see all year and we'd like to thank them for their help during the year. We don't want to spend an awful lot of money because it all adds up. We just want a token gift. And one year we made salt dough angels. These were very, very successful. I've got a recipe for salt dough on one of my blogs. I could put that link into the notes. They don't take an awful long time to make. You just make up the dough like you would a bread dough, except it's got different ingredients, but you just knead it until it's nice and smooth. Roll it out and shape it into angels. My eldest daughter, Felicity, was the first person who did this, and she started a tradition within our family because now we've got to make salt dough angels every Christmas. We also make salt dough Christmas uh, decorations to hang from our tree in the shapes of stars and Christmas trees. We've even got some snowmen, which are rather ridiculous for us because we don't have snow, but... Anyway, we use cookie cutters, and we've got a few Christmas cookie cutters, including the snowman. And every year we make the dough, roll it out, cut out our decorations, make a hole in the top of each one, bake them in the oven. Well, before we bake them, we usually get a strong solution of coffee, 
and we paint the coffee onto them to give them a lovely brown colour, and then we dry them in the oven and give them a, well, a few coats of varnish afterwards to make them waterproof so that they last, because if you don't waterproof them, if you have a rainy day, then all the water in the air gets absorbed into the salt dough and they expand and go all soft and puffy. And that's the end of that. You have to throw them out. But some of our decorations we've had for years and years. But we always make a few extra because I think we like making them during Advent. It's just something that we always do. So we've made these angels and we could also make some tree decoration salt dough ornaments as well. And my girls have also made boxes out of card. And so for a little gift for a friend or someone that's helped during the year, you could put a little angel into a box or a little tree ornament into a box, put a bit of curling ribbon round, and you have a little present. I've got pictures of all these things, and I'm going to add them to my blog post. So if you can't imagine them, just go over to my blog and have a look because I think that you will like them very much. They are very, very appealing. And I know if I got one for Christmas, I would be delighted. And they cost nothing to make, well, hardly. A little bit of flour, a little bit of salt, a little bit of oil, I think. A few paints from our craft supplies or a bit of coffee, a bit of varnish, and that's it. I was also thinking that I could use the salt dough tree decorations as gift tags. I haven't done that before, but I could add a little message with it, maybe a little bit of paper. I don't know if we could glue it to the back of the salt dough ornament or whether I could just thread a piece of paper onto the same piece of string or curling ribbon that we've put through the top of the decoration that would work and then tie it around the, a present as a gift tag. And then the person who gets the gift has two gifts because they can use the salt dough tag on their Christmas tree. Talking of tags, we made label tags last year using um, stationery labels, the sort you buy for off in office supply shops. I guess a little bit like luggage labels. We just used Sharpies and decorated them. But this year I have another idea. Apart from the salt dough ones, I want to make some twig labels. Now I made twig labels to go around the necks of my Thomas bears. The bears I was just telling you earlier about. The ones we buy for Thomas for his birthday and Christmas. Now I don't know if you've been listening to my podcast since the beginning, but a year ago I was talking about how Thomas's bears were mounting up, taking over our house, and I didn't know whether to buy any more or not. Where would we put them all? This was a big dilemma for me. Eventually, I came up with an idea, and that is to give away some of the bears to, to special people, keep them for ourselves for a little while, but then eventually pass them on to other people, spread the joy of Thomas's bears on to friends and other people that we know would appreciate them. So I have already given away a number of Thomas's bears, and I think it's about time to give away a few more. But before I gave away the bears, I wanted to label them with Thomas's name and his birthday and the name of the bear. I got some thin branches of gum tree. I picked them up down at the bush trails that we run down, just off the ground, and brought them home 
My husband chopped them up for me into little pieces, appropriate size pieces to put round a bear's neck. I got a potato peeler and I took off the bark layer, and then I got a brown marker. I wrote all the details on the twig. I just kept turning the twig around because it's a cylindrical. I wrote Thomas's name on one side. I turned the cylinder a quarter, wrote his birthday, turned the cylinder another quarter, etc. until I had all the details on there. Then I gave it a coat of varnish and then I got a piece of jute, some natural string, and I tied it around the bear's neck. And so I was sent my bears off to their new owners with a little piece of gum tree. And for my friends in America who did receive a bear, they got a little bit of Australia with the bear. But anyway, back to Christmas, I could do the same thing for presents. I've already got a big branch that I collected the other day. I'll get my husband to cut it up into pieces, or either that or I'll go down to the hardware store again and find a better saw because I just can't use the one that I bought. It, for some reason... It takes me a long, long time just to cut through the twig. I shall then write a Christmas message on the twig. Maybe put the year. I don't know what else. Maybe the name of the person that I'm giving it to. I'm not exactly sure. And then I'm going to tie it around the present with a piece of string. And maybe that person who receives it can put it on their Christmas tree. Yeah, the girls and I have been talking about wrapping presents. We want to do brown paper and string wrappings this year. Forget about the fancy papers in the shops, all the Christmas prints and the curling ribbon, and go back to a natural look. Maybe we'll even make some stamps and decorate our paper with paint or ink. That might be a crafty thing to do. We haven't done that for a long time, but little kids like doing things like that, and so do older ones. I was also thinking about other things that we could add to the outside of our gifts. Perhaps we could get a chocolate and put it in a cellophane package and then tie it to the outside of a gift with a little message as well. Extra things to make parcels look more exciting. Maybe add a balloon and one of those blowing things that make the honking noises, the party, I'm not sure what you call them, but those party uh, blowers. Gifts to buy. I've been thinking about this already. And with a house full of things and having had children for 28 years, we don't really need to buy anything at all. My girls have everything they need. And sometimes I think that buying more and more stuff just fills up the house and gives us less space and clutters up our lives. So I'm being very careful about what I do buy. Now, here's a couple of ideas that will take up no space whatsoever. And that is Kindle Books first and iTunes albums next. Every birthday, I buy my girls a Kindle book and an album from iTunes. And then the birthday girl shares it with her sisters. So I buy one book and one album and it's like buying four presents because everybody shares. Everybody shares in the gift. This has become a bit of a tradition because everybody looks forward to getting a new book and some more music every time someone celebrates a birthday. And I'm going to do that for Christmas as well. Stationery supplies is another one which doesn't fail to please. 
stationery supplies run out. So this is not a cluttering type present. It's uh, essential equipment for people who like to write and who like to draw. And that describes my girls perfectly. So I'll be going out and buying pens and markers and notebooks, that type of thing, even post-it notes. And looking for a few novelty things as well. I guess with smaller children, this works well at, because you can buy craft papers and glitter, paints, all those type of things that could be put into a craft box. I can remember making up craft boxes for my children, just buying lunch boxes or even bigger boxes and then filling them with an assortment of craft materials. That goes down very well. One thing that seems to be very popular at the moment is colouring in books, not just for children, but for the adults as well. Our shops are full of them. And I think this is probably a good gift because we can colour them in. They can be thrown away if nobody wants them afterwards. Though my husband Andy actually came back from Aldi with a colouring in book for me last Saturday. He popped it into the trolley while he was doing the shopping because he just saw it there and thought I would like to have it. And the one he bought, the pictures are printed on thicker cardboard and they look perfect for framing. I don't know if I'd want to frame my own colouring in. I'm not particularly good at colouring in, not like Charlotte, but it's an idea. People could do that. Secondhand things are good to buy for Christmas as well. When my children were younger, I used to go to places like the St. Vincent de Paul shop and buy secondhand toys. A lot of them looked new, and my children didn't care whether they were new or not. And they were a lot cheaper. And then when they had finished playing with them, all I had to do was take them back and somebody else could buy them. I'm more likely these days to buy second-hand games, board games or even Wii games for the Wii console. That's my girl's latest interest. We're the sort of people who never seem to keep up with the latest interests, whatever's going on, whatever's trendy, sort of bypasses us. We don't even hardly notice. And then when people lose interest in the latest trend, we sort of discover it. And we were discussing this the other day, how convenient it is for us, because we can buy people's casts off, and it doesn't cost us very much money. So the other week, the girls bought themselves a Wii console, and they only have two games. But they've been having a great deal of fun with it. It's one of the early models that nobody wants anymore. But that's alright. They like it. So I might go looking on eBay for some second-hand Wii games. Well, that's a few ideas. And I want to talk next about Advent traditions. Because Advent, as I said, is only a couple of weeks away. Now on the first Sunday of Advent, we'll be getting out our Advent wreath. I made this wreath a long time ago, and you won't be surprised to hear that I made it out of salt dough. Made up the dough, and then I plaited a circle, and I added on leaves and flowers and other things to make it look fancy. The wreath has places for four candles. Now on the first Sunday of Advent, we'll be putting our candles, three purple candles and one rose-colored candle, into the Advent wreath. And we'll be placing our Advent wreath on our kitchen table, where we can see it all the time. And we'll be lighting those candles each evening at dinner time. 
On the first Sunday of Advent, we'll light the first purple candle. My husband will say a blessing and we'll sing one verse of the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The next night, we'll light the candle again and we'll sing the second verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We have some A4 laminated sheets with the blessing prayers on them and the words to the hymn. Now, I actually got this idea from a website called Holy Heroes. If you've got young children, maybe aged 5 to 12, they might enjoy signing up for the Advent Adventure on that website, Holy Heroes. Almost every day of Advent, there will be videos and activities for Advent, talking about all the traditions, giving ideas of ways to celebrate Advent and prepare for Christmas. My girls have watched Holy Heroes for a number of years, but they didn't watch it last year. I think that they've got to the stage where we watched it a number of times and they've moved on from that. But it's certainly worth going and having a look. But yes, that's where we got the idea to make up some sheets of prayers and hymns to use with our Advent wreath every evening. Now every evening, after we've had our dinner, we will put an ornament on our Jesse tree. A Jesse tree can take many forms. It can be a branch. It can be just a picture on the wall. Ours is a felt Jesse tree. It looks a bit like a flat Christmas tree, just a shape that I have glued to a banner. Our banner is a fabric banner. It's got a few layers. It hangs from a pole and we have it on the wall next to our kitchen table. And being felt, our ornaments are also made of felt and they stick very nicely to the tree. So every evening after dinner we'll put an ornament onto the Jesse tree and my husband will read a little bit out of the Bible, something to do with the ornament that we've just put on the tree. Now the tree will end up telling the story from the creation until the birth of Jesus and each of the ornaments will be part of that story. There's a lot of different ideas on the internet about making Jesse trees. They can be very elaborate. They can be very, very simple. We made ours many, many years ago, and my children made all the ornaments. And we made them just from the felt we had in our cupboard at the time. Some of them are pretty dull colors, and I think we could have done a, a much better job. But it doesn't make any difference in the slightest. We haven't felt like going back and replacing those ornaments because this is our Jesse tree. This is the one we've used for years and years and years, and it wouldn't be the same if we just updated it, made it look nicer. To us, it is already very beautiful because it has lots of memories attached to it. Now after dinner, just before the girls go to bed, I will probably get out a book called The Jesse Tree. It's by a person called Geraldine McCochran, I think. I'm not too sure about how to pronounce her surname. M-C-C-A-U-G-H-R-E-A-N. But I'll put that in the, the notes as well. And this book has a reading for every evening over Advent, every day over Advent. It tells the story of a carpenter who is making a Jesse tree in a church. And every day a little boy visits the church and talks to this carpenter and he tells the boy the story of the Jesse tree. It's a really beautiful book. You can get it on Kindle or as a paperback. I suppose it comes in hardback as well. 
We got the Kindle version one year because we left it too late to order a paperback, but it didn't really matter because the girls can imagine the pictures. It's just the story, which is magnificent. And the final thing that we will do on the first Sunday of Advent is get out our nativity set. Ours was made 20 years ago. Again, it was made from felt. Cornflake box cardboard, felt, and various little bits and pieces like glitter, buttons, things like that to decorate the characters. I made it from a Jean Greenhow pattern, which I found in a library book. I've been looking for that pattern again for many years, and I haven't actually been able to track it down. But I think it would be very easy to copy a picture of the, this nativity set and to make a version, if you are interested, without a pattern. The good thing about it is that the characters are unbreakable, which is just as well because our three kings go on a long journey before they reach the stable. We set up the nativity set on one of our family altars. Mary and Joseph and a shepherd are waiting there with the sheep. They're arranged around an empty manger. The kings will join them, of course, at Epiphany. Every day over Advent and over the Christmas season until Epiphany, I will hide our three kings. And it's a game. Our children will go looking for the kings every morning to see where I have placed them. And I really think that the kings should set out on their journey on Christmas Day and should travel around the house from Christmas Day to Epiphany because that makes sense. But our kings start their journey a bit early. They start on the first day of Advent. And I think this is quite all right because it prolongs the game. It makes it more fun. It doesn't really matter when they're supposed to go. It's just a fun thing for kids to do. So our kings might end up inside a saucepan, inside the fridge, behind the television, behind a book, on top of a bookshelf, that type of thing. And whoever finds the kings first in the morning wins the game for that day. But it doesn't really matter who finds them first. They all come to me very quietly and say they found the kings. And when the last person has found the kings, then I will move them on when nobody is looking, of course. Also on our family altar, we will have a box of straw. We're hoping that by the time Christmas Eve comes, all that straw will no longer be in the box, but will be over the floor of the stable. We're preparing the stable for baby Jesus. And the kids can earn a piece of straw by making a sacrifice, doing something nice for somebody, maybe doing one of their jobs secretly, saying an extra prayer, not moaning about something, uh, working hard, that type of thing. They can take a straw secretly, put it on the stable floor. I think it's important that mums and dads also make sacrifices and join in the game. Now, as I said, we don't do an awful lot of other things. We don't make a lot of craft things. We might celebrate one or two extra feast days over Advent and Christmas, but we certainly won't celebrate them all. But if you're looking for ideas, there's a wonderful blog called Catholic Icing. They have some wonderful ideas that you might like to do with your own children. Talking of Advent and Christmas traditions, I've managed to weave some of the traditions into my children's novel, The Angels of Abbey Creek. 
I've used the things that we do in my family and I've given my characters the same traditions. So maybe the Advent and Christmas chapters of my book would be appropriate reading for Christmas. Maybe the book would be a good Christmas present, as I said earlier. So you can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes or follow it on Podbean or visit my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, if you'd like to keep up with these podcasts. I'd like to thank you for listening today, and I hope to be back next week with another episode. Until then, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Thank you.